0: Hello, hello, my beautiful friends. It's Isabella Lombick here, the World Messenger, and I'm inviting you again for another episode of Legacy Leader Show. This morning, I have a very special guest. He is coming all the way from Toulouse, France, and his name is Bob Leisure. Um, He is actually... um, Season leadership development guru since 1986. That was the first time when he really deep dived into corporate uh, training and leadership development. And as you guys know, I'm so passionate about it and I cannot wait to deep dive with him about that. He's also a professional journalist and very, very accomplished in wide range of work, working with CEOs and large corporations and obviously with a great experience, obtained subject matter expertise in multiple disciplines related to leadership, which I will let Bob unpack. Good morning, Bob, or good afternoon. How are you? Uh,
1: good morning, or good, good afternoon from Toulouse. It's uh, it's uh, just after 4.30 in Toulouse. Uh, oh, very wow. pleased to be here. Uh, I don't consider myself to be a guru. Uh, I'm clearly someone who, uh, yeah, I've been involved in leadership for over 35 years my first official official training was in september 1986 so that's kind of an anniversary for me but i was um unofficially doing uh, leadership and personal development for a couple of years uh, before that so it's uh, something i'm uh, i'm still passionate about 35 years later
0: wow so i guess that's uh, once you started you never stop that's fantastic no, no no
1: no plans to retire well, I will retire one day, but uh, I, I love what I, I love what I do. No, sorry, sorry.
0: That it's is beautiful. It's, that is great to hear.
1: Do you mind? About what no, I, sorry, go
0: no. Ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead.
1: No, I say it's more about uh, it's more a passion than I mean. I make money out of it, but money is certainly not the, uh, not the driver.
0: That's great. And they usually say, and it's always true, when you lead with the passion, everything else follows, right? So you find the right audience and right clients and people to serve. But if you don't mind telling us, how, is, how did you start it? I mean, even, even concepts of leadership in our early 80s, um, they're um, not as clear, obviously, as, as they are today. Do you mind just telling me some of those early pioneering times and how did you break into that?
1: Pioneering times, Um, I'm actually a chemical engineer by training, Mm -hmm. so I I, I studied, um, I have an engineering diploma, chemical engineering diploma, and I was a chemical engineer, and when I was uh, 28, uh, I discovered the world of personal development. I I participated in a a kind of a program as an observer, it was a program in the outdoors for um, uh, um, young offenders, I, I wasn't a young offender. <laughs> well, I was actually I was old, I was older than the young offenders, but p- people knew I had a kind of an interest in uh, in young people, and I did this two week um, two week program. Uh, we went off to Wales in in the UK. We, it was Christmas time, and there was snow on the ground, and we were camping out overnight. And uh, what really that was a real turning point in my life. We had or oh, they the, the the trainers had uh, about twelve uh, young offenders, and on day one, they were kind of. To be polite in the UK, we say "effing" and "blinding," and it was really, really difficult. And at the end of the two weeks, they'd gone through a behavioural change, which just, uh, which was just, which just amazed me. And I kind of said, "Overnight, that's what I want to do. I want to help young people do that." Uh, Because I I was actually born in the the east end of London, so I I kind of came from a a fairly difficult part of part of London. I left school at 16. uh, I was kind of forced uh, to go to work to help the, uh, the family income. Uh, but thanks to some uh, some good managers and uh, maybe a bit of a personal ambition, uh, some 10 years later, I had a, I had a diploma in chemical engineering, etc. Cetera, et cetera. So I was, kind of, I was kind of working with people who were a bit like me, who ha- hadn't managed to get out. And I thought, well, if I can get out, anyone can get out. So that was kind mm-hmm. of my... Uh, so that, was a real, that was a real turning point. Different- since you
0: did a lot of things in it, not necessarily in the right, I mean, in order that typically everybody were doing, but uh, that that is fantastic, great accomplishments uh, during uh, challenging times.
1: I oh, no, I was in, a, I mean, I said I was born in the East End of London. I went to a, what we call a, in those days a factory fodder school. So mm-hmm. you you expected to go to school, come out and go to work for a Ford or whatever. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. I grew up in the in the sixties, uh, Vietnam War. Uh, Hippies, Beatles, etc. I was kind of a bit of apart. I had kind of a different vision of what life was about, and didn't want to go into a factory. and uh, And I managed if I, I mean, if someone had told me when I was maybe seventeen or eighteen that I would one day uh, be uh, an international leadership development consultant living in France, working uh, bilingually in English and French with with company presidents, I would have just. Uh, I would have probably gone and found a gun to shoot them and put them out of their misery. <laughs>
0: But but that is amazing uh, because everybody have a very different beginnings, right? And then what we learn from those challenges in early years and early stages of our lives. And I love what you just mentioned, how it was important to have a, some really good managers and good leaders within an organization you were starting with through that engineering a pathway and then how we end up here. I also love that you shared a little bit about uh, working with a youth, um, uh, for me, seeing a lot of that need, obviously, across the world, but also being here in the United States, wow. so I can kind of absolutely relate to that. So, And then, from there, you obviously build up further, and uh, how did you truly start developing the first courses on leadership and recognizing oh, the need?
1: Um, I started, uh, so so I did this course as as a participant, so I decided I wanted to work with young people. So I spent a few years, and I was particularly interested in working with people in the outdoors, using the outdoor environment as a a means for personal development. So I became a kind of an outdoor pursuits instructor, so I could take people off into mountains and down rivers. I then became a a centre manager, so I actually managed a a residential centre for young people. Uh, and then I decided I wanted to become a bit more professional in what I was doing. And I was recruited by a company in the UK, which was called Development Training Limited, who were doing what I was doing with young people. but They were working uh, in corporate, uh, in, in corporate organisations. So they were developing uh, apprentices, they were developing supervisors, they were developing managers, they were developing senior managers. So I joined them in the young people's division. Again, working with young people within a corporate environment, and very quickly uh, I worked with the, the managers of the young people, uh, the managers of the managers of the young people, and uh, and so it went up quite. Um, I mean, it was in it was in yeah the mid the mid 80s. It was all quite um, intuitive in those days. Mm. You
0: know?
1: there, there was there was, I mean there was theory around, um, and I'm, uh, I am I'm interested in theory. So, I was actually the person in the company who started uh, diving into the theory and started reading stuff by uh, Hersey and Blanchard, by, uh, by the, the various uh, leadership uh, gurus of the epoch, and started uh, bringing some kind of leadership models into the work we were doing. And as I, as I discovered, I found it, um, I find it more and more fascinating. I found it more and more fascinating.
0: Yeah. I bet, I bet. And and reason why I'm asking those early pioneering years, of course, leadership existed for hundreds of years as a concept, uh, but, but, the, but developed as we developed, as industries developed, as companies, countries, And and as human evolution continued to be uh, more and more demanding specific types of behavioral characteristics. And you mentioned those uh, that how important it is to uh, Really recognize what behavior certain people uh, are exhibiting and then how they can shift it and change them. And obviously tools and methodologies are the key to help us. But as you said, I love uh, the concept of nature, healing and, and, and being out, outside because that really helped us to really be more in touch with ourselves and recognize and build that self-awareness that is so important uh, that I feel like a lot of leaders are actually lacking today. So do you mind sharing um, the, the, some of the tools and methodologies that uh, you find extremely useful with all of these complexities that we're having today?
1: Maybe just uh, with regards to the outdoors, I think um, the outdoors is an environment which it strips people down. Yes. You take off your tie, you take off your suit, uh, you're, you're faced with uh, with challenges where you're no longer the expert. Yeah? You're no longer the, the official leader. You don't have a title,
0: no. you don't have a title, it's just you.
1: I mean, yeah. well, and what i say, and i 'm particularly interested in in leadership, mm-hmm. maybe less in leaders, but mm-hmm. in more in leadership, and how each person um, can incarnate the, their leadership capacity so how, how each person can incarnate their their ability to to influence other people in a mm-hmm. given situation to go in a particular direction to act in a, in a particular way mm-hmm. so in, it, I, I, my, my personal belief is that we have um, we all have one, one leadership tool. You know, yes. I think it's really the only real tool we have, uh, and that's ourselves.
0: I 100% agree with that.
1: Absolutely. It's, it's a tool. It's actually, it's, it's kind of a, a Swiss army knife tool. You can mm-hmm. do a lot with it. You can motivate people with it. You can excite people with, people with it. You can encourage people with it. You can demotivate people with it. You can, uh, excuse my language, piss people off with it, uh, put people <laughs> out, etc. So you can really do a lot with this tool. Then it's. i mean my my line has always been under, under, like, like any tool yeah? you have, you have to look after it if you don't uh, if you don't oil it regularly if you don't use it regularly it'll go rusty and you won't be able to use it so for me it's, it's about understa- it's yeah it's about understanding you mm-hmm. and how you use yourself to to encourage to motivate so it's about uh, it's about how you hold yourself it's about your posture it's about what you say it's about how you say it uh, it's about your, your, your empathy, so it's, it's a lot of, there's a lot of maybe personality from the inside and a lot, a lot of behaviour from the outside. So I'm, I'm not really um, um, a techniques and methods person. Like We, ne- we need techniques. We, ne- we need to be able to maybe set objectives. We need to know how to manage conflicts. Uh, do, I, uh, do I go into competition? Do I go into accommodating mode? But my line has always been really about helping people to to more fully incarnate their leadership potential. I I, I have an an approach which I call my uh, "D to the power of four approach. So for me, it's about discovering your leadership potential, developing your leadership potential, deploying your leadership potential, in order to be able to drive some kind of transformation, personal transformation, organizational transformation, societal transformation.
0: Brilliant, brilliant. And what I love about what you just shared, um, you go in more with the deep within because all the everything starts with us individually. And I love um, that you emphasize on that. And um, a lot of times, specifically in our culture, I don't know how it's in Europe these days, um, but uh, in U.S., it's all about the speed and rapid thing and quick fixes and 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 change. But I always say transformation takes time, takes effort, takes uh, diligent work. As you just said, takes some maintenance. And as old um, yes it's exponential return on investment but you have to put investment in and a lot of times I see this sense of urgency but and, and but then also lack of patience and not willingness to really put a lot uh, effort that is required that is needed and specific with organizations uh, these days so um, transformation
1: I, I, I often use the analogy of um, becoming a a great guitarist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, you, if you want to become a great guitarist, uh, you need to practice uh, your scales, you need to practice your modes, you need to practice your positions, you need to play on an electric guitar, you need to play on a flamingo guitar, etc. etc. And becoming a great leader or being able to incarnate your leadership, it's the same thing. It's a conscious, long term effort. It, do- it doesn't happen like that.
0: Absolutely. But, re- but I w- I'm Beside that I study, obviously, leadership and I always was passionate about it. and I always was reading books from very, very early age and, and and reading different, not only concepts and techniques and strategies and whatnot, but also stories and, and how powerful, and impactful the stories when you can see what is truly possible. And sometimes people need that evidence, right? Oh, my God, if he can do it, then I can do it. Because a lot yeah. of times as as humans, human nature is... Uh, we, we either set too low expectations or ourselves or we believe that we are not capable of accomplishing. Like, for example, like you were just mentioning, you, you just spoke in French uh, to 100 plus people, but then you juggle English and French. And so many people say, I can't learn another language, let alone I cannot really lead 100 people. So um, why do you think leadership is a concept and as a, as a, as a uh, leadership in, in sense of, um, of being uh, is so important as we evolve and as we rapidly grow and evolve, not only technologically, but within current environments that we're facing. Because I really feel like it's a two different ways of how people perceive leadership today. So I would love to hear your perspective. What do you see is shifting and in a way kind of forcing for that to happen?
1: Um, I, th- I think what you just said being it for me is an extremely important word. I, I wouldn't say that for me leadership I- is not about doing things but it's clearly about, uh, it's clearly about being. I think there's a certain um, no- notion of uh, verticalization, you know, be- becoming who you are so it's about who you are it's about your ability to incarnate everything you have. So I think clearly be- being leadership it's more being leadership than doing leadership. A mm-hmm. trend that I see today, which is, uh, I think, um, something that um, I find quite disturbing, uh, is that leadership seems to be coming, uh, certainly in the political world, maybe in other worlds, all about um, criticizing people, uh, belittling people, uh, putting people down, uh, Tell them, saying you, they don't know what they're talking about because they're black, they're green, they're grey, or whatever. And this, the, 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 no, the notion of um, uh, kind of the nobleness of leadership, yeah, I, I don't, I don't criticise the person, but I, I criticise their ideas. You know, I, I argue against their ideas, I don't argue against them. Yeah, and I think there's a, maybe I won't name names, but there's a, a lot of uh, very senior political people today. Who their their rhetoric is all about uh, oh, this person is stupid this person doesn't know what they're talking about this person is that and I think it's, it's and it's it's people who are kind of at role model level yeah these are kind of the people that uh, younger people would look up to and say oh, you know this is this is the president this is a prime minister this is a president this is what we should be aspiring to we should be or a CEO
0: of the company or, or people that are leading large uh, enterprises I, I totally see that and, and it's excellent point um, but this is what what I wanted to kind of dispel the myth and I think this is unfortunate that we're using that we're using leadership leadership roles or readership status um, just somebody because of their their roles in the company they're called leaders, but they may not have a leadership quality uh, uh, and they're not necessarily leaders based on concepts, what what constitutes for someone to to be the leader. As a result, because just title and position, people look up to them, but they don't necessarily exude the leadership traits. And that's exactly what you just said. And as a result, confuses people and gives them the pass uh, and makes things easier so to not to work on yourself, not to be self-aware of, not to pay attention to your language and your behavioral stuff and how that makes impact, obviously, very, very negatively on the others. And I think that is the conflict that I see uh, just the about use of the verbiage.
1: Oh, for sure. I, I think leadership is, is often used, um, it's, it's, it's incorrectly used. Yeah, there, there are people who are, as you say, there are people who are, they are clearly in a, a leader position. I, there are people who are at, um, I say people in a leader position, there's people who are kind of senior levels of an organisation. You know, once you become a, a vice president, senior vice president, yeah, they're, they're the sorts of people in organisations who we would expect to have a kind of a leader role. Uh, and, and lots of times these people, they don't incarnate leadership as you say, they have, the, uh, they have the etiquette, it says leader, but in terms of what they do, that they aren't incarnating. What I understand leadership to be all about, leadership is about influence people, it's about inspiring people, it's about encouraging people, etc. And it's, I think, yeah, the, the word leadership has, has often, I feel, been maybe usurped by the, uh, by the business world. Yes. And actually a, a leader is, a, you know, you're, you're a very senior manager. And I, think, I, mean, I, I work with a lot of organisations where um, they have people who have become very senior managers and they have this, um, they're expected to have a kind of a leader role, mm-hmm. but they don't. And often what I do and people I work with do, we tr- we try to help these people to, to better incarnate their leadership capacity. And, and in France, it's maybe... Um, maybe a little more difficult, because in France, um, the, 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 maybe the watchword within management in France is power. In mm-hmm. France, it's all about acquiring power. In, I think in an American culture, in an Anglo-Saxon culture, it's more about acquiring influence. Yeah, I think if, if as an American or a British person, we, know we can no longer influence things, then we kind of feel a bit lost. Uh, in the French culture, if you don't have power over things, you're a bit lost. So in French culture, People, they, they do school, they do business school, they, they move up the organisation, and they acquire more and more power. Mm. And when I, when I talk to them, and I say, well, you know, in fact, now the position you're at, it's actually about letting go of the power. Uh, it's about empowering other people. Uh, and your role is somewhere else. And these people say, well, yeah, but, but Bob, I've spent all my life acquiring power, and now you're asking me to give it away? Intellectually, I understand. Emotionally, wow, that's not easy.
0: Yes, and specific allowing and trusting other people to do their job. And uh, and I love the contrast you just pointed out, but I have to say things shifted in the United States and in the recent few years, and definitely this 2020, I see more and more shift actually towards the power, uh, just in, in the verbiage. And obviously, as a journalist, I'm sure you appreciate this. Uh, when you look at the, the titles, when you look at conversations, when you look at the tweets, when you look at the uh quick snippets and conversations that are coming through it's a lot about that uh, power uh, uh, and, and and almost like um, essence um, of this way or highway or or this is the law and it's, it's just a set and it's very um, uh, could be very very frightening actually and and very intimidating because a lot of times it's not even question is a factual, is a real, but it's just the sense of I can, I can, I, you know, I can position however I want and I can just keep going and keep doing what I'm doing without worry about it, how others will take it because I come from place of power and uh, I pay a lot of attention. Um, from those different titles and publications. And it's very, very interesting to see um, the shift that we're seeing right now.
1: Well, I, well, I think today we, today we live in, um, how can I say? we live in a digital world.
0: Yes. In the
1: past, people talked about bite-sized pieces of information. It was bite with an I. Today it's bite-sized pieces of information, but the bite's with, an, with a Y, yeah? So I think what, what, what seems to be, um, you know the key word today is reactivity. You have yeah. to be able to react. Someone makes a comment, you tweet, you do something. I think in the old days, maybe um, reflection was maybe a bit more respected. S- someone says something, you take time to to reflect on it, you take time to think about it, you say, oh no, in my opinion, and you have, you have um you have the time to build um, a considered opinion of something. Mm-hmm. Today it's uh, it's as you say, some someone makes a statement two seconds later on 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 twitter or on, on linkedin uh, someone's already made, made their comment mm-hmm. so there's clearly been a shift i think to um to, to more reactivity uh, more speed more um yeah it's kind of uh it's andy warhol's 15 minutes of fame yeah? everyone has to be out there uh, giving it this responding etc to, to the detriment of maybe people who take the time to, to think or construct a really solid argument i mean so if you listen to some of the uh, some of the arguments that some politicians put forward, you just think. I mean, I hear them think that's just—it's not possible. Well, why doesn't somebody ask them the question? Why doesn't somebody just say to the politician, "Excuse me, how, how did you come to that conclusion? What did you take into account? What did you think about? Or what did you read? What did you hear?" People just go, "Oh yeah, it's okay." Well, no, it's not. I mean, that—that seems to that—that that dialogue, yeah, dialogue seems to have disappeared
0: you you're totally right and and factual dialogue and conversation and leveraging um um facts and analytics and data that really does support and not too frightening not too scary but to really create a point why we're making certain decisions which directions we're going and i really see that a lot of uh also organizations and even ceos right now with the shifts and changes that are happening in their organizations um if you do not present information to people in a way that they can really connect the dots and, and, and they're done in a very caring, genuine way, uh, people are left with so much questions. And so, and as a result, they're having so much fear because it's fear unknown. What else is going to happen? What is next coming? Uh, and then when you leave people hanging and lingering, and and when their safety is jeopardized and longevity for their, you know, loved ones, their family members, their jobs, and everything that comes with that. And then you even reflected, you know, how you as a 16-year-old had to go financially help your family. I mean, what level of sacrifice they had to do in UK during you know early 80s. It's a huge you know, like we see cyclical as things happening historically right now uh, with this um, pandemic uh, and, and, and implications that are there, I really feel like more than ever, as you just pointed out, it's a need to have these conversations uh and, and hear a different point of view like what's going on in france what's going on uk what is your perspective on europe what, what, do, what are your suggestions because that's the only way we can truly press and move forward because we need to look at things holistically don't we
1: yeah i mean i, I, I already my, my approach to my approach to leadership is a very I, I i like to think i have a very holistic approach i mean just going back to the um the dialogue i mean there's a um, I don't know if the model is, there's a framework I work with, which is um, it's kind of a pyramid. You have dialogue, uh-huh. discussion, yeah. debate, and what's called I think diatribe. Yeah? Mm-hmm. The, the pinnacle is, is dialogue. Yeah, we, we exchange and we learn from each other and we ask questions. Discussion, there's maybe a bit of exchange in but not so much learning. Um, debate is essentially about proving that I'm right and you're wrong. And diatribe is simply criticising people. And today, a lot of the uh, the exchanges I see, even even sometimes on 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 systems like LinkedIn, the written exchanges, it's just diatribe. It's just calling people names, uh, telling you don't know what you're talking about. uh, Yeah, I'm shocked at the
0: level of professionalism uh, on LinkedIn uh, and and, on some of those posts. And I was like, what, what What are you thinking? How do you present yourself, your brand, and who you are individually, and also your organization? And i was like, who else is reading? And is anybody taking
1: action? Uh, I mean, I, personally, I've no, I have no problem with, um, I have no problem with people criticizing my ideas. I have no people tell it, saying, problem with someone saying to me, no, your, your vision of leadership, uh, it's wrong, Bob. Uh, you've not thought. I'm quite happy to discuss at that level. But when people say to me, Bob, you don't know what you're talking about, mm, <laughs> understanding the well,
0: meaning, disrespect.
1: Where where, where, where does that come from? How, how do you know? Do you, do you, know me? I mean, that's even, you know, that's even worse. People don't even know you, they'll say, you don't know what you're talking about. How do you know? I don't know what I'm talking about. Do you know what I've studied? Do you know what I've done? Do you know How do you know? I don't know what I'm talking about. Mm. I mean, when, when, when they say you don't know what you're talking about, what they're I think what they're actually thinking is, I don't agree with you, but what sure. comes out of the mouth is you don't, you don't know what you're talking. about. Sure. And I think it's become, um, it's become the norm, yeah? It, the, the, the reaction to say, so that's an interesting point of view. I don't, so I don't see things exactly the same way as you. So how, how did you come to that conclusion? What have you read? And then and then you can exchange. And then you can, yeah? But When someone says to you, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, mm. <sighs> you have to be, okay.
0: <sighs> <laughs> I know, yeah. That, that is where, where it comes in that level of maturity, self-awareness, and that emotional intelligence to know emotionally how to approach it, how to not, not necessarily diffuse situation, but position with the right type of behavior to contra uh, offer uh, something that person can truly digest, knowing where they are, meeting them where they are, but also building that emotional capacity to in yourself and space around you so that they can really see hopefully things from different perspective and I honestly think more than anything, we need now these types of conversations and holding the space for others to really recognize it is the other way to be. It is actually possible to achieve and accomplish X, Y, and Z. And yes, I can contribute more and do things better in different ways. That also makes me much more happier and more relaxed and more satisfied and much more um, feeling accomplished uh, versus all of the turmoil and all the this conflict-based responses, which are actually crisis-based. And we're definitely in the crisis mode, right? As a result, we get our crisis responses. Uh, but how to now step and how to manage the crisis, that is where actually leadership shine and leadership uh, traits come to light that I really feel like they're truly, truly more than ever most important.
1: Clearly, yeah, I, I, I think in, in terms of, um, I don't know it's emotional intelligence, but I think uh, leadership, it's about, um, it, I think it, for me, it's I often used the analogy that uh, there, there's two worlds. There's what goes on out there. Yes. And there's what goes on in here. And I think w- when, you're in a, when you're in a leadership position, you, you have to be, there's a posture where there's the, the appropriate distance. So there's what's going on out there, and you're, you're not kind of submerged and drowned by the wave of, of what's going on out there. And at the same time, you're not so far away that you're completely distant to what's going on out there. But you're, you're clearly aware of what's going on out there. People are dying, uh, things are happening, et cetera. And that's making me feel bad. That's making me terrible. That's making me feel frightened, et cetera. But um, I'm, I, I, I get the right balance in terms of how should I behave behaving with regards to this. Yeah, I mean, I'm in a leadership position, I'm supposed to be, I'm expected to be showing something, I'm expected to be inspiring people, maybe I need to be empathetic with people, I need to be caring with people, maybe I need to show urgency, or maybe I need to show conviviality, but I need to be aware of what, what's going on out there and what's going on in here. Yeah, there, there's, a, there's um, a phrase I very much like by, by Viktor Frankl, which says something like, um, our last freedom As a human being is to decide is to decide how to behave in a given situation so there's Mm -hmm. things that go on out there and we can decide maybe it's not a conscious decision process yeah but i think the idea that we can decide how to behave in that situation
0: absolutely absolutely and that is what i what i keep saying um more than ever we need that self-awareness and then know, are we part of the solution or we are part of the problem? Are we uh, feigning the fires or what are we exactly doing? Uh, Are we putting out the fires? Because right now, um, a lot of people truly don't know because they did not work so much on themselves. They did not invest uh, to self-discover or at least at this stage of life where they are, or they did not endure a lot of challenges and difficulty early on. And as a result, we see all kinds of behavior. just enough to go and drive to grocery stores sometimes that you see things that you would not typically see or the parking lot where the people are, you know, uh, trying to park and then, you know, having exchange with others or, or just the lack of patience. Everything is so much easier, much, much more flammable, as I would say, because um, outbursts of, of rage and anger and frustration, it's just uh, all that pent up unresolved and not really look deep within issues.
1: And, um, which, is, which I find very strange. Because when I started um, back in '86, I mean a lot, a lot of the work I, I and my colleagues were doing was about making people self-aware of their behaviour. So in '86, I worked a lot with um, uh, transactional analysis. So I did a lot of stuff on trying helping people to understand uh, their their PIC profile. Am I mean, more a uh, um, uh, caring parent or or? Uh, um, I can't remember the name, the nurturing parent, the critical parent, well, I'm my natural child. And then from that, I moved on to, um, to Belbin and then uh, MBTI, Insights, et cetera. So I think today, I mean, when I started, it was, kind, it was relatively new. You know, the idea of doing a personality test was kind of, wow, you know, what's all this about? Whereas today- but The fear, what are they going to find out? Oh, my God, and what are they going to do with yeah, that? Exactly. Whereas today, that, that's, I mean, there are, <laughs> they're all over the shop today. I mean, you can do online tests. So there, I think the notion of, um, of personal awareness, awareness is maybe um, much higher level than it was uh, in, in maybe in the 80s. And at the same time, people seem to be less personally aware. That's kind of a paradox. Yeah, there, there's more and more. Uh, I mean, today there's, 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 there's courses and programs on being mindful, uh, mental toughness, uh, assertivity. And it's all about learning about yourself. But at the same time, you, see, you seem to see more and more people, again, people at quite senior positions. And I look at them and I say, wow, are you aware of how you're coming across? Are you, are you doing this deliberately? Or, do you, or is it just you don't know? Yeah, and I think there are a lot of people, they're, they, are, they, are, they are... I mean, I, I do a lot of work around mental toughness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and mental toughness is all about being, being determined, uh, taking on a difficult challenge, being confident in yourself, uh, controlling things, etc. Yeah, it's a kind of a po- relatively positive thing to have, yeah. Absolutely. Some people are, in, are kind of in the, in the dark side of that, yeah. They're stubborn, uh, they're, they're reckless, uh, they're, they're, they're controlling, they're arrogant, and they, they seem to feel that they're, um, they're incarnating their mental toughness. But in fact, what people are seeing in the outside is something completely different. We're seeing someone who's stubborn, uh, who should be giving up and they're not, and they're taking all sorts of challenges. They're not giving anybody else opportunities, and it's this lack of self awareness. Very,
0: very. Which true. I think, I think for me,
1: leadership and self awareness they go hand in hand. I think it was Kennedy. Now Kennedy said, uh, uh, JFK. I think he said leadership and learning go hand in hand.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and and we can learn always from one another. And it's always something that we can constantly when We're open to it, right? To learn from different perspectives. And even just like this conversation, it, it's just a great to hear from someone who is being practiced in leadership development since 1986. And uh, beauty is uh, right now, complex time call for much more, uh, I wouldn't say complex solution, actually more simplified solutions going back to basics. And, and, and a lot of times I see people looking things outside of themselves, like little gadgets, little tools that will help them. But reality is uh, they're just there, as, a, but they're not doing the work. You have to do your work. On, like, yeah. Who will not do the work for you? So right. it, it's just very interesting. I was like, how do, how do we became to be this quick fix fast um and, and 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 you know and and do it as as least as little as possible i'm like i don't understand it so anyway how is any of you uh, in terms of professional development i'm sorry personal development and in terms of uh and putting effort and energy in order truly to break through mental toughness, build the confidence and really establish yourself. Because why is this important is because it's helping people to cope with issues that we're facing today. And who knows what we will be facing even next year, right? It's like, how can you do better if you're not working on yourself to be better?
1: Yeah, I think um, I've seen a trend Mm-hmm. which was, um, when, when I started in, in the 80s, it was, uh, I think, the organisation I was in wasn't the only one. We were, we were very people-centred. It was very much about understanding yourself, how do you, how do you function, understanding, I said, we used that transactional analysis, understand yourself. And I think so- somehow, um, I don't know if marketing played a role, but suddenly it became about techniques and then we started seeing it become a become a mighty motivator become a become a powerful presenter become a, an inspirational influencer it was kind of lear, learn a tool, learn a method and i said there's, there's nothing wrong with learning at all um, but if you don't know how to use it yourself
0: yes i
1: mean i've i mean i have, uh, I, have I have i have i have tools yeah, i have a hammer i have a saw etc but i'm not a <laughs> diy person and you can give me all the tools you like, but I'm not a DIY person. Yeah. So I think, as I said earlier, the, the, the essential tool is oneself. I, I, I won't um, uh, denigrate, I, I won't say you, you don't need techniques. Yes, we need to use techniques. We need to have some methods. But the essential is oneself. The essential is your, your human dimensions, your intellectual dimension, your emotional dimension, your spiritual dimension, etc. Your, 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 your roles as a leader, everything you have inside of you. And then, yes, we can't just be, we can't just be there and say, yeah, so here I am, I'm the leader, I'm being. Yes, we have to do things. And yes, we need some tools, we need some techniques and methods to do things. But if you're just applying tools, methods and techniques, and you're not incarnating something behind that, then you're just going to build yourself a cupboard, which is like this. Which is empty. What's, what's in there? It's empty and it's, uh, the shelves are all uh, at the wrong angles, etc., you're using it's the tool. sustainable and not- it's
0: not sustainable and that is that is what no. I'm trying to come across uh, in my work uh, you have to put work specifically within an organizations so right now we understand the challenges we understand complexities but again effort and work it's needed otherwise, Quick, new technology, new tools, new ideas, new assessment—all of those are great and they're telling. But if you're again not doing anything to make a change and to allow transformation, it's not worth it. It's like, so why we did all of this? And then a lot of times I'm hearing from people when they do a specific assessment, when they pour their heart out, saying what they see—it's not working, and what they're hoping that should change—and and then when they're being told, please share. Uh, we will definitely make all the needed changes. And then, truly, after they do that, months pass by and nothing starts happening. And people get shut down. And as a result, they're like, what's the point? And, and then I always say, you know, even if the still things are not moving, you can continue moving within sure. yourself and what you have control over. Because a lot of times we're also parked and waiting either on our partner or either, or on our, you know, boss or whatever, but that is the beauty. You have the power and you should be feeling empowered to. Uh, keep doing and, and progressing on your own because sometimes that's only space you can do till situation and condition changes, new environment, new job or whatever might be the scenario, new partner, new home, uh, etc. I, th-
1: I think for me that's why, um, uh, why, why I find leadership fascinating. Yeah, leadership is about you. Yeah, it's, uh, you. You made me think when you just said, uh, I think it was Gandhi who said, be the change you want to see. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that, that, you don't have to be a manager, you don't have to be a supervisor, you don't have to be the leader, but we all have leadership. We, we can all do our bit to influence, to encourage, to motivate people to work towards a, a partic- particular direction. And my, my, uh, my belief has always been that um, probably what organisations need are less leaders and more leadership. Mm. Yeah, we need probably need less people with the title leader and we need, we need organizations where people are empowered to be able to use their leadership, to incarnate their leadership, to encourage, to motivate, et cetera. Brilliant. So I think it's, it's become something which has become very formalized. You know, certain people, certain levels, they're, they're allowed uh, to use their leadership or expected to use their leadership. And often at uh, maybe the lower echelons of the organization, no, oh, no, it's not your role. That's not your job, et cetera. Uh, I mean, it, it, even today, I was in a, I was in a conference um, not so long ago, and, and some of the b- presenter was talking about how organisations today, how organisations now, they they're empowered, and we have these uh, leaderless teams, etc. And I kind of went, this was, this was pre-COVID. So I kind of went, excuse me, I, I, I work in a lot of organisations. It's not what I see. I still see a lot of command and control. I still see a lot of, ma- and, and a, a lot of people in the audience went. Yes, so do I. So do I. So there's, there's, there's on one side kind of the, um, the theorists and the gurus, and you read articles in uh, Harvard Business Review and McKinsey talking about empowered teams and so forth. But what you often see in industry is managers who are still pretty, it's kind of nice command and control. It's no longer the really authoritarian command and control, but it's kind of, you know, I, I'm asking you to do this, but but I'm asking you to do it, Yeah.
0: Absolutely. It's 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 so true because um if we are in our different little bubble in our world will look uh, very different. But reality is obviously extending ourselves and knowing what is happening. That is why we need to have these dialogues and conversations, because even though perception around the globe um you- you you right there m- middle of it and 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 you might have uh, not only just a great insight a great perspective but as again different trends and cycles and imp- impacts and influence keep coming uh in the different parts of the world help us to also prepare oh. help us to really see clearly and with that in mind uh with everything that is happening obviously with uh, another major covid um uh, coming uh, cycle of the COVID coming, more organizations shouting down, more virtual work, more limitations yeah. of human conversation and touch, uh, usually large Zoom calls, right, where you really don't, right. feel like, you're just listening and, and you're being told very little dialogue and really very little uh, build up of, of, of these types of relationship and rapport and getting to know each other or, or, or really having the meaningful conversation. What do you see is happening right now? Where do you see some of the biggest opportunities uh, in addition obviously to the biggest needs?
1: Um, certainly something I've been asked to, to work on and I've actually run a number of um, uh, Zoom webinars around the subject. It's the, the notion of um, incarnating your leadership, screen to screen, face to face. I'm in a room full of people. Uh, I give my ideas, uh, people look at me and they, they see all my body language, my gestures aren't coherent, etc. And, and if you, if you believe um, what communicators will tell us, yeah, 55% of our impact comes from our body language. Yeah, the fact that uh, the, the gesture, the right. thumbs up, uh, the look I the look I give to somebody that, that that has a certain impact that's disappeared yeah when you're on a zoom with one to one I can see I can see you're nodding your head I can see you're looking you're smiling that I can pick up when I'm on a zoom with uh, 10 people wow if they've got if they've got the cameras on yeah because often there's bandwidth problems so no cameras so pe- people can no longer see me they can't see my dynamism my gestures so it's really down to my voice Yes. what I'm going to say. So maybe I need uh, I need to be more concise, I need to be more precise, I need to be more clear when I'm speaking, uh, and maybe I need somehow to use my voice uh, to convey some of the things I would convey through my body language. Yeah. Yeah, if, if, I'm in, if I'm in a meeting and, uh, and I want to get things moving, yeah, I think I, I'd probably stand up, i say, okay, we're going to do this, I would stand up, uh, I would point. You know, if I stand up on Zoom, I disappear. So I can't stand up. So what do I do? <laughs> I have to somehow, I, I change my voice. So if I want to convey maybe urgency, I need to use my voice in a particular way. If I want to convey maybe conviviality, maybe I'm going to use my voice in another way. If I want to convey uh, empathy, maybe I'm going, to, I'm going to maybe speak slower, have some pause, etc. So I need, so what I'm doing with, with people now is looking at how can we use these new tools to 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 have this leadership influence that I would have in in the old world, but I don't have in a new one because today, already a lot of training is taking place via webinars. A lot of exchanges are taking place via webinars, and a lot of decisions are being made via webinars. So you imagine ten people on a webinar. Having to decide, uh, in fact, I started thinking about this uh, during the, the lockdown in France, when I discovered that the uh, the French president, uh, Emmanuel Macron, he would mm-hmm. bring together his 20 experts uh, once a week, and they would have a two-hour Zoom to decide, do we lock down a particular city? Do, and I'm th- I was thinking, wow, these people, they've all got huge egos. They're all specialists in their domains. They're sitting in front of Zoom for two hours, and they're deciding whether we should be locked down or not. Wow, just how robust are their question, Are, their, are their decisions? I don't know if you know the film um, 12 Angry Men?
0: No, I uh, did not hear about ah.
1: it. Oh, you don't know 12 Angry Men? Well, publicity time, folks, if anyone's listening in. 12 Angry Men, I've seen hundreds of times. <coughs> it's a, it's a, an amazing film. It's a, it's a jury to have to decide whether a young boy is guilty or not. Mm-hmm. And you see egos, you see fights going on, and, and, that, and that's, that exists in this world. Absolutely. You don't see it. You don't see it. Yeah. Now, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with that? Screen to screen. So I think that, that in, terms of, um, in terms of leadership, getting the message across, um, understanding how people are feeling about things, uh, inspiring people, encouraging people, screen to screen is an issue. I can't, I can't suddenly stand up and make a, an impassioned speech uh, with all the body language and people go, wow, yeah, this, this guy looks really, yeah, he believes what he's saying. They hear it, but they don't, they don't get the 55%, which is the congruency in, in how I am. We don't, we don't get that anymore. And that, that, that has a real, I mean, neurosciences will tell us that yeah, that, that part there, the, the emotional part of seeing the person that helps us to, uh, to anchor that information in, into a head somewhere. And that's no longer there. So we, we need to find another way uh, of doing that. So for me, that's, that's, that's a, a key issue today for, for leadership teams. Uh, you can imagine we have, a, I don't know, a, a company where the, the CEO is in New York, the marketing director is in Hong Kong, the engineering director is in Mumbai, uh, the, the sales director is in London, so we're on different timeframes, the different nationalities, and they have to get together do we, do we buy company A or do we buy company B? Some people don't care. They just want to go home. They're tired. They've got up early. Uh, some people are convinced it's company A and I don't want to listen to any argument. And you have to decide screen to screen. Whew, not easy
0: you're so so right not easy because we also have so many other competing um situations going on right and then working from home and and i'm, I'm seeing also a lot of uh children up from home now also going to school and and she ch- changes completely family dynamics but also changes working dynamics wow. and um more than ever we need to have a more tolerance but everything you just mentioned Um, It's so easy to get away. It's so easy to not take a full responsibility and accountability uh, because, um, again, am I performing the best I can? Am I showing up to support my colleagues? Did I do my research? Did I contribute valuable uh, research or, or, or information that can help to really look at Accurately, not only risk assessment, but is this really good decision in the long run, uh, or we're just calling the favors to each other, or or just trying to, as you said, get done with the deal and move on. I mean, it's just so many things. But when you think about it, a lot of those decisions will also impact us, and and how we're gonna live, and what's gonna happen, and what the next steps are gonna be, because um, we 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 we. Will live in a world right now where it just actually more and more restrictions imposed, right? The question is, how do we behave? And I really find more than ever being in tune again with, as a behavioralist with people's, uh, as you said, not only nonverbal, but overall uh, how they show up um, because that tells so much where they are. And that tells also so much, what can we really do? Is it sometimes better to reschedule? Is it sometimes better to postpone decision? Is it is it sometimes better to actually have a smaller cycle, a circle of people that are part of those dialogues and decisions? Um, it, it's just so many questions, right? And so many scenarios here, but you are absolutely right when it comes to major epic life-changing, transforming decisions that impacts millions and billions of people, they'll require higher level of, of leadership. Right. And as a result, obviously, it's, it's ultimately what, what you will be known for, what, what will be your legacy. And if you don't mind, Bob, do you mind just sharing a little bit of, um, obviously, you accomplished so much and and your passion is on dying all these years. And it's just so exciting to see someone uh, equally passionate as I am about the leadership. Um, But in the same time, what is left in your bucket list? What would you like to still accomplish? And and what would you like to be known for? Uh, Because obviously, we do so many things because we love to do, but ultimately, did we make a difference? Did we impact positively, right?
1: Still to do. There's a, there's, a, there's a lot of things on the to-do list. Places to visit, uh, mountains to climb, rivers to, to canoe before I get too old. Um, I think I I, I, I like I like to think I'm a people developer. That that's I mean, if, if someone would describe me. I mean, yeah, yes, I do. I do leadership development. Uh, I've helped people. I've done project management training. Uh, I'm also an animat- amateur astronomer. I teach people astronomy. I'm a, wow.
0: Um,
1: but I really, I think if I had to be remembered for anything, it, it's a people developer. That, that's what I, and that's what I want to, I think, continue being. I mean, I think, I, as, as I said earlier, I, I discovered um, personal development, people development when I was quite young. And I think um, I, I realised that um, just what you can become And I don't want to be be boastful at all. But again, when I think back, yeah, I was was born in the uh, the mid-50s into a reasonably poor family in the the east end of London. I went to a school that got in the way of my education. Uh, I was uh, was supposed to go and work in a factory. Uh, I didn't. I became an engineer. I came to live in France. Uh, I I was almost bankrupt at one point in time, but I stayed. Uh, So I think... We all have it in us, yeah. Uh, it's and it, I think what I what I try to do is I help people to get in touch with what's in them. So if, if I have a, I don't know if it's a legacy, but it's a, a belief in people, in people development. For for some people it happens. I think there are some people are, things go right in their life and it happens. And some people they need a, they need a kind of a leg up. So I think if I have to be remembered for for, for something, it's being, a, a lot of people say, oh yeah, yeah, Bob, Bob Bob, was a good people developer.
0: That's beautiful, that's beautiful. And obviously, and I, as you mentioned, um, on a little bit things on your bucket list, you have a lot of mountains to climb and a lot of places to go. Any, any specific adventure that you're eager to accomplish? I know we're having restrictions, but you have a beautiful, Coastal uh, coastline down in France, and you have a gorgeous mountain scenario.
1: So So there's some there's some longer voyages I like to do. Some uh, I I, I trained to be a how do you say that in um, in a snow ski a snow ski um, mountain leader Uh some years ago. I didn't didn't finish my my qualifications because my son was born, but I still have the the idea of doing a a long. uh, Along a snowshoe journey, oh. uh, so and also, I mean, on maybe the more professional front, it's um, I, I became um, a freelance journalist um, earlier this year. Yeah. I've been writing articles for for quite a long time, uh, and then I, w- I was approached, and I agree. So, so, there's some stuff I want to do. I mean, at the moment, I'm interviewing people, but there's kind some kind of um, I mean, I, I've actually uh, got a badge. I'm, re- I'm really proud. Yeah tells yeah. me my civil, my rights as a, as a, as a, as a journalist, I can go into that oh, I'm impressed. Let me pass. I'm really, I'm really proud of that. And uh, yeah. so, so I'm quite, I have, um, maybe my bucket list is some investigative journalism. So there's some subjects uh, with regards to leadership, with regards to coaching, with regards to training, that I, that I feel need um, investigating. And that, that's going to be completely new. Because art, article writing is essentially, I, or you get an idea, and you kind of put it into form, you publish it. Interviewing people is kind of getting other people's ideas, and In investigative journalism—you you don't quite know where you're going. You want to investigate something, you don't really know what's going to come out at the end, and I find that quite, um, quite, um, quite tantalising.
0: Yes, and it could be also quite inter- interesting because. Uh, um, you you undercover something really really special, and you obviously yes. are contributing for International Coaching News. And do you mind just sharing a little bit about what is International Coaching News about?
1: Uh, Inter- International Coaching News. It's an online um, an online journal, which mm-hmm. obviously specializes. Yeah, I think it specializes in leadership and coaching. Uh, they have, if I remember correctly, it's three issues per year. In fact, when I was approached by them, I did, did some research, and they actually they seem to be well, um, well respected within the, uh, within the coaching world. Each, each issue has a theme. So the, the, the next issue which is coming out is about life coaching. So they have the journal. they also have a, they have a radio, a, a radio show, um, and they have a, a team of, um, they have a team of writers who write articles, and they have a, a small team of journalists on part of the team. I think there's eight of us spread throughout the world. And we, we interview people. Uh, we have pretty much carte blanche. So my first interview was with the, the dean and director of a business school in South Africa. And oh, the title fantastic. was um, Le- Leading Learning Through COVID. So it was how he managed to turn his school around during the, uh, the, the COVID crisis and move from face-to-face training to uh, screen-to-screen training. Yeah. my second interview which i've just finished was with uh, a young ceo of a, of a french startup which is becoming a they have a 20 million euro turnover it's becoming quite a significant um, organization and he's a young guy who's gone into he wants he wants to be coached so he's having life coaching leadership coaching and collective coaching so that's kind of coaching for, for young startup leaders and my next interview which is tomorrow is going to be with um, somewhat, a senior HR person within Airbus, which is an a, a, a aircraft manufacturer who are mm. suffering uh, seriously from COVID. So that's, that's more around HR leadership, kind of in the wake of COVID. Mm. So at the moment, uh, we have a uh, carte blanche to, in, to, to interview interesting people. So at the moment, I'm, kind of, I'm in my interview phase, and then I'm going to move into my uh, investigation phase.
0: That's fantastic. And, and a great opportunity also. I love, the, again, how you apply yourself and how you pivot your skills, but then also how you acquire new ones and, and how you look at things from different perspectives. Because I always say if we're not looking at things holistically, we're blind to something and and we cannot afford to be specific right now with everything that is going on. Uh, oblivious or blind uh, to certain things that are happening in order because you will be always impartial solutions Right and we we cannot obviously come up with the best solution or transformational uh, Impact that we can if we look at everything from from that point of view. So kudos oh,
1: Congratulations, I, I, Bob. I think if we try to find best we won't find it <laughs> We we need to look for most appropriate uh, most applicable, etc. Best is uh best is uh, a, long, a long way away. True, true.
0: Right now we need a, we need a quick wins, uh, but we also need to look at what is the best with what we know at this yeah. time uh, to do it because um, uh, sometimes again, paraly- paralyzing, uh, overwhelming, uh, very challenging uh, environments uh, put us in position that we're actually then not acting at all. And we need to kind of shake that off and keep, Pressing forward,
1: sure, I, th- I mean, I mean, COVID is very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I th- to the best of my knowledge, there's no one alive who's had to face up to this kind of situation. Yeah? So I think, you know, a, lot, a lot of people are, critica- are criticising uh, decisions made by uh, governments, parliaments, etc. Yeah? And I, I, I sometimes think what's missing is this: um, is um, it, the politicians themselves simply saying, "Yeah, we don't have all the answers." Yeah, we, we don't know. We, we, we're doing what we can. We're trying to do the best. Yeah, we're, we're listening to people, etc. And no one has faced this. So I think that's on one side. And I think on the other side, I, mean, I try to be tolerant. Mm-hmm. When I hear decisions, they decide we need to do ABC. And then the next day they say, no, no, we're going to do X, Y, Z. You go, oh, it was ABC. Okay. <laughs> they've, they've spoken to people. They've talked to people. They're, they're struggling. Yeah, they're struggling. They're struggling yeah. to do a good job.
0: But I also, what I'm finding that is missing, I agree 100% with what you just said, but in addition, should be allowing experts to truly uh, help to navigate and, and why certain things need to be done in a certain way. Because if we are also not listening to experts and people that have expertise in their niches, in their area, that's exactly why it's so important. And again, to have that holistic approach, we're gonna miss out and, and make things much more diff- difficult because so many things are dependent of each other, aren't they? So again, as you pointed out earlier, letting ego on the side, as saying, "I don't know how I can really leverage and 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 utilize your skills and your knowledge and others that are very uh, pivotal and crucial with these types of decisions." That is, as as collective, we will have so much better um, not only choices and decision making, but outcomes, and ultimately, we're all looking for greater, better outcomes right now,
1: right? Aren't we? I think what you've just said is, is um, its probably—it's it, how I define a leader. A leader for me, it's someone who's capable or is able to federate subject experts around a common objective and enable them to make robust decisions. That's the job of the leader. As you say, all these egos, are, you know, I don't know anything about uh, biology, uh, germs, sociology, but my job is to enable you as a collective to make the best decisions. So that's that's what I think being a leader is about. You you, you surround yourself, they're not beneath you, they're beside you, and and your job is to to work with them, work with their expertise, to enable that collection of people to come to what they consider to be the best decision. It's it's not to hide behind that decision, because what I'm starting to hear now in, in certain countries is, Oh yeah, but it was the um, it was it was the scientific council who suggested we should do this. So there's a kind of um, I hear politicians kind of hiding behind what the uh, what what the what the specialists decided. I it wasn't it wasn't uh, the government. We locked down a particular town because the scientists told us we should do this. Yeah. So I don't. It's not it's not about hiding behind their decisions, but it's about facilitating their decisions. I say okay. Absolutely. Work, working with you. We've come to this, this, this decision and this is what we're gonna do.
0: And we need a more transparency. I really think beside accountability, more transparency is required because when we have that, then we have the trust and that is the key ingredient that we were talking about for transformation. Um, and when that is not clear, where, why is not clear, then we cannot really go anywhere. So I, I really hope that everybody who is listening and watching uh, get a lot of from this conversation because, guys, it's no shortcuts out there. They are not. And and, and, and Bob is putting even today so new ways to challenge himself and, 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 and sharpen his tool and skill sets that he already crafted and developed since 1986, I mean, and prior obviously through engineering and different programs and everything else, um, you guys can do the same. So Bob, it was an absolute a pleasure to have you. And if you don't mind, just in a closing, uh, what would you like to leave the audience and listeners here um, with uh, as, as a one message from you right now during this challenges time from your perspective, where you sit in France and in heart to Europe, uh, what would be that?
1: Um, I think, sh- in, in in brief, it would be believing people, but believing people's potential. Yeah, we, we all have um. We all have a, I mean, we we're, we're born with um, just so much potential. Yeah, we could all be uh, a Rudolf Nureyev, uh, an Eric Clapton, uh, a Pina Bosch. I don't. We we all have this in us, and as as we grow, that some somehow that kind of gets uh, suppressed. So I think believe in people's uh, potential, believe in people's potential to, uh, to do good. And, and if you can, help, help people to, um, to realize their potential. It's clear, I mean, in, in, in clearly what I see in the, um, where I am in, in Europe, um, but I, I mean, I don't have, there's not probably maybe time or the place, but I, I personally have a lot of concerns yeah we we're, we're, we're clearly seeing um, i mean i my my father fought in the, in the second world war and my grandfather fought in the first world war and since then there've been no world wars um, but i'm i'm quite aware of what happened between world war 1 and world war 2 you know, the re- rhetoric of populism etc cetera, etc cetera. and what i'm seeing now in in a lot of european countries uh, maybe elsewhere it's not dissimilar. It's really not dissimilar. Things people are saying, uh, the rise of uh, uh, the rise of, uh, of right wing ideas, the, the rise of uh, fashion mix, It's really, uh, I find it quite, um, yeah, quite um, concerning.
0: Yes, yes, and I, I cannot agree more with you. I was last year in Europe for ninety days and had a chance to feel it, even though I'm originally from Europe uh, and lived in. Five countries, uh, shift and change that happen, and beneath of that, that energy, the dynamics, the politics, the people, um, and, and 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 I can also amplify how much it is going on right now in the United States. So,
1: yeah. hopefully- I think I think it's a memory thing. Yeah, I mean I, I mean, I I say my father fought in fought in the war, mm-hmm. so when I was growing up, uh, my my father was always telling me stories about uh, he was on the he was on the Pacific Fleet. So he was all telling me stories about uh, battleships and he lost, he lost friends in the war. So I was quite, cl- I was quite close.
0: Mm-hmm. People
1: today, I mean, young people today, they hear about it. Yes. But it's kind of third hand. Yeah. It's not the same. It's not the same.
0: They're very emotionally detached, but till they they personally start experiencing stuff, then they kind of start sinking in. Because I remember um, when we went to Auschwitz concentration camp, I was very well aware, I believed it, I watched so many documentaries, but nothing could still prepare me till I was in the courtyard and looking the walls and magnitude of concentration camp and looking at, uh, the rooms, the, the gas chambers, and, and everything else, and walking through all of that, I felt uh, not only so real, but I, I had an over-sensory overload, and I realized, you know, it, it, it just uh, magnified so much everything, and obviously, being in former Yugoslavia and experiencing now firsthand Balkan war, um, yeah. I obviously had my grandma... And, and grandparents going through the similar thing, uh, but I went through the war myself, and, and and you know genocide and ethnic cleansing and war trauma, and then you know escape and shifts and changes. I feel again underlining symptomatic issues are coming to the light, and I always say, if nothing, just go look at and research ten stages of genocide, and you will see what is happening right now as a repetition of these behaviors uh in just in the last few decades um and what is coming to light and that is rather concerning because again if we're having more leadership and more le- uh, more leading um and more leadership versus more leaders uh, things will be very different
1: yeah i think i mean we we need to stand up to be counted Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think that probably the first step of leadership is standing up and being counted. Yeah, I, I don't agree. I don't agree. It's difficult, because yeah, sometimes you get shot down, sometimes literally, yeah, or people criticize yourself, <laughs> which is the first True. step of You're leadership. You're right.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I mean, what, one of my favorite, um, I guess we're going to finish, one, one of my favorite quotes is Martin Luther King. Yeah. He said, uh, if, you, if you don't have something uh, worth dying for, you have nothing worth living for. And he actually said that a couple of days before he was assassinated. Mm. And, and he knew full well there was um, an assassination attempt uh, in the air. And he refused not to give his speech on, the, on his balcony. And he died for what he believed in. Yeah? I mean, that's maybe extreme. But in, in, in a lot of situations, yeah, you, you, see, you see things going on. You're not going to get shot down. You're not going to get assassinated. But you say, you put your hand up, thinking, you "No, know, this shouldn't be done." And people attack you, criticize, etc. For me, it really is the first, step, the first step. Yeah?
0: Very, very true. And uh, we need a more of courage. We need a more of of um, uh, empathy and passion and compassion uh, to to allow and create that space and again dialogue in order to that unfold. Uh, But right now, fortunately, because of polarization and far different points of view, uh, as we mentioned earlier, conflict is so prevalent that we can't hear each other or let alone come to do opportunity to agree to disagree and be civil about it. And that is the piece that I am very shocked how much is anger and how much is rage very quickly flaming up uh, and then obviously that is where the risks are. That is where the major, major problems are coming to the light. But anyway, um, seems like we went in many different directions and, and it's and beautiful with all and forefront of the leadership Bob today. So I really appreciate again your time and showing up wow. and sharing uh, so transparently uh, your journey as well as experiences and things you are seeing happening today. So again, oh, a real,
1: so real honour to have been uh, to been invited. I'm really uh, when I got the uh, the invitation, I was like, me. I thought.
0: Me? Absolutely. I always look for interesting speakers with the different points of view and obviously from different parts of the world. And I know you're very humble, but why not, Bob? You again brought up so many beautiful uh elements here for our listeners and viewers. And again, I really appreciate you and looking forward to see what is coming in months and years to come.
1: I'll keep you posted. Thank you. Merci.